Welcome everyone to episode 27 of What's That Sound? My name's Stu Watts and today I talk with Terry Hart, who's an ARIA-nominated producer and mixer from Western Australia. He's worked with a bunch of amazing artists such as Tash Sultana, Missy Higgins and the Black Sorrows, to name a few. Today we talk about why it's so important to focus on the emotion of the song that you're producing why making the performer feel as comfortable in the studio as possible and not overwhelming them is so crucial. And we have a bit of a discussion about the imperfections of music and why it's cool to leave those sorts of things in your recordings. If you could do us a favor and share this podcast to your friends, anyone that's interested in music production and recording, whether that's in a DM or on your stories, that just helps us spread the word of this podcast and get it out to as many people as possible. And also make sure you hit follow or subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you can stay up to date with every new episode. Without further ado, let's get into it. This is episode 27 of What's That Sound podcast. You're listening to What's That Sound with your host, Stu Watts. Welcome everyone to another episode of What's That Sound? My name's Stu Watts and today I'm here with Terry Hart. Terry, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me, Stu. Looking forward to it. You're welcome, mate. Thanks for joining me today and uh, we might as well kick it off with a little bit of it about you, what you do in the music industry and, you know, just what you do in everyday life. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, yeah, look, I, I started off uh, I started off as a session player mainly um, playing keyboards, guitars, or any anything that need to be need to be done. But there's something very romantic about life in the recording studio, so I stayed. I remained. Yeah. Got my head around the rest of it and um, learned off some great people. And 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 now I, I, I work um, in, in production and uh, love mixing, and um, just just love taking artists from the beginning of a project right through to the end, especially solo artists that need a bit more. Um, you know, guidance on how to, mm. how to make that acoustic track into a, a whole production. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's definitely one of my favorite parts of, uh, everything that I do as well. So it sounds like we've got a lot in common. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's take it back to the beginning, man. Where did music, you know, come into your life? Well, it was an early thing. Um, I, I, I started, I was a classical violinist for many years throughout school and um, ended up doing a lot of quartets even outside of school um, and, and enjoyed that and uh, I love classical music still, but mm-hmm. slowly a couple of very like dog-headed friends are like, no, you've got to get into modern music, you've got to get into this, started <laughs> delivering me bits and pieces. Like this, let's get him into Radiohead in Queens. There's like oh, a bit yeah. of classical there and... and um, but no, it was it was a it was a slow process, and I really started to uh, to enjoy because my my family listened to music, but it wasn't like wasn't a big. You meet some families, music's just a part of their day to day life. Yeah, and um, mine not so much. Road trips, yeah, mm-hmm. we'd have a nice like a Beatles album going for the yep. entire thing, which is a good start for anyone. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I came around to uh, more contemporary music kind of slowly, like towards my mid-teens, 
Yeah. Um, on some classic albums, though, like things like uh, I, I was, I remember I was on a school camp when somebody with a Walkman sort of gave me, just have a listen to this and it was Nevermind. And you just sit oh, there yeah. and I flattened his battery. Didn't <laughs> even apologize for it. I'm just like, yeah. whatever. I'll be taking is, that. <laughs> this is something else. And, um, and yeah, since then it's just been um, really just shifting my focus. Um, I've, I've always loved writing music, performing music, but I don't think that's where my strength lies. I love to compose for people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's easier for me if they supply the bones because mm. I'll just I pick it apart way too early. It's easier for me to come into the process a bit later, and I've got a lot to offer then. Yeah, um, sure. But also s- someone to hold the reins back a bit, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but yeah, f- fell in love because um, I, I was I was studying science, so I really do like the the physics, the electronic side of things as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like I secretly love on the off days, tracing issues in tube gear and things like that. Oh, really? So, but I it, could, it, it yeah. Does, that's that's it, something that I uh, stray away from. If anything breaks, I'm like, replace it, get it fixed. Can't be throw it out. Get the plug in. Forget about it. Just <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. You've got yep. a pile of door stops, which are getting more and more expensive, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, it, it's hard work. And I mean, studios in the day they had on full-time engineers to, and I mean engineers in the traditional sense, yeah, you know, yeah. electrical engineers to, to keep on top of that. It's a lot of work. Yeah, 100%. Um, but, um, but yeah, it's exciting. It's a good, it's a good marriage of the two, two yeah, disciplines. Yeah. So mm. do you remember like back when you were younger, um, when you were getting into music, do you play any instruments by the way? Oh, you play violin? Uh, I violin's one of those things like if you put it down for 20 minutes and look at it wrong you've kind of forgotten how to play it right i haven't played for almost a decade now so i wouldn't (laughs) inflict my 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 violin playing on anyone but i have kept up quite a bit on um piano and and guitar yeah and um can can carry a beat on a drum kit some productions if it's just a simple yeah you know it's not 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 doesn't have to be anything special i'm more than happy to do it yeah yeah so do you remember like listening to you know, the elements of the music back then or was it kind of just like, oh, I love this song? Uh, definitely the elements because I, I quite – because learning to read music early encourages you to get scores and listen to Beethoven's Fifth with with, with the full orchestral mm-hmm. score and kind of spot things that you didn't quite – you wouldn't naturally hear but then mm-hmm. you can pick it out once you can see what the notes are and, and yep. that – um. And I think most people who enjoy symphonic music like that, they really enjoy the fact that so many voices can kind of deliver one result. Mm. And um, and with so much of that classical stuff, you can just listen to that one voice and it's like heart-stoppingly beautiful. Super interesting and, yeah, absolutely, yeah. 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 Yeah, so when it came to like you starting to get into – recording production what did that sort of look like did you study at school or was it kind of your own you know learning school school of hard knocks my friend yeah nice <laughs> yeah yeah I I um I so I was doing a lot of session work um out of uh Sing Sing Studios mm-hmm. at the day and I met um Kai and Jude there and eventually, like I, I realized pretty quick that that's where I wanted to be mm. um so I did hit them up early and say you know, in my in my late teens, saying like, if there's any assistant work, I will mm-hmm. be there. Whatever hour, I'll stay to whatever hour. You don't have to pay nice. me. Um, <laughs> but whoever's interested in, 
I say, oh, this person's working. And it's like, yep, I'm there, I'm there. And um, yeah, cool. And uh, but you, you realize that there is a lot of musicality to um, the other side of the the glass, as they say. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, once I realized that, yeah, it was it was it was just a learning off anyone I could and being there as much as possible, whether whether I was being paid or not. Yeah. And, so tell us about good- some of those kind of experiences back then. Like, what was the learning like? You know, did you have one specific mentor? Was there multiple people? Uh, no, it was it was whoever it was whoever needed some help. Yep. And and I yeah I really I really wasn't picky and I, I loved to um you know if there's some alternate screamo band come in I'd be all over it if there was some classical jazz artist come in I'd I'd be all over it. Yeah yeah cool. Th- those techniques are interchangeable and even interesting to bring from one project to the next. Mm. Um, they're different, but kind of from our side of things, um, yes, there's there's unique ways to do it, but it, it, you do have a very similar approach. You are trying to mm. capture an artist at their best. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I, I feel like I learned a lot skipping genres, mm. even though I may have, I thought I was indecisive at the time, but I'm kind of happy I did it. Yeah, for sure. And the, the assistant route is kind of becoming very rare these days you know, for yep. people to go through that traditional um, recording studio type of uh, path. So, you know, maybe shed some light to, to people that haven't experienced that. What did it sort of look like? What what was your role? What did you focus on, you know, when you were going in for sessions? It, it was the classic thing for a lot of engineers and, and all engineers are unique like this. Some of them want a lot done. Some of them... Um, want tea every half hour mm. um, and, and that's about it. But that didn't mean they could be long days sitting there doing nothing mm. when you get when you get started. But if you pay attention and look carefully and when they go out to lunch, have a look at the patch pay, have a look at what's going mm. on. Um, when he runs over and changes a mic, that your head engineer, don't wait for the, an appropriate time to sort of approach him but then ask why did you change that mic Mm -hmm. um because you do see a lot of i i I was because of my beginning when i started to work as an engineer i was very um active on having a lot of um assistance from um Mm -hmm. from box hill over in australia and um uh, sorry over in melbourne yep uh in uh to to learn they'd usually just do a day or two at a time Mm -hmm. but um You'd spot people who were just writing down settings, which are mm. irrelevant, and mm. other people who were like trying to get around the, the the mentality of why you're doing what. Yeah, absolutely. And absolutely. when you're doing it, yeah, yeah. And that, that, that's all it is. The tools are just tools. It's, yeah, yeah. It's really how you, how you spin them. Yeah, for sure. And obviously, everyone's got their own kind of way of approaching different sessions even you know from artist to artist it's got to change but the important thing is kind of being aware of what needs to happen next you've got to be thinking five ten steps ahead of everyone else because the artists aren't thinking about the things that need to get done necessarily they're just kind of waiting for you to tell no, them what needs no. to get done and, you and know, it, I guess, it's, be- yeah. it's better if they don't oh yeah it's a distraction yeah and i'm sure you've done the same you would have recorded some of your own like songs that you've written and that's, yeah, yeah, that's tough that's tough work you don't want to be in those two head spaces at once so mm. the job is important that they can uh they play and you figure out how to make it interesting but you're right like innovation 
mm. huge thing. And I think that's why it's it, this is a natural environment for someone who's uh, uh, likes to experiment, mm. not not someone who goes, oh man, I, I nailed I nailed that that snare drum sound on that album. So that's my snare patch from here on in. It's that's, true, yeah. That's unhealthy. Yeah, yeah, and I think there's a different. It's a different person. I think the one that is more of a producer and likes to work with the artist and the person that just loves sound, you know, they're two yes, completely yeah. different people and you can be both, but you're probably going to be better at one thing than the other. But, you know, not to say don't try any of that, <laughs> like don't try and do both, but you kind of have to these days anyway. But, uh, you know, I think you naturally gravitate towards either people or towards sound and, you know, it's cool to be, to have that awareness of what you like more so that you can, can focus on it more, I think. Absolutely. And, and yeah, and that's the interesting, yeah, you don't like a perfectly uh, mic'd up piano is not going to do you much good if the, the artist is down in the dumps that day and not delivering. Yeah. It, it's kind of irrelevant. You could put up a 57 through the cheapest preamp in the world and just take care of the artist for half an hour and make them feel good. Um, yep. that's a, you know, whatever you have to do. Um, but yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it is, it is like all industries. You're always dealing with people mm. that that's, yeah. that's the bread and butter. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. So talk us through, you know, your sessions these days, you know, actually, you know, we can see your studio. It looks very nice. You've got a lot of nice looking outboard gear and, and <laughs> things like that. But and pieces. talk, talk us through kind of uh, how you got to where you are now and, and what your day to day looks like these days. So I, it, it was a slow for, for us all like accumulating a studio and figuring out what and why it is a slow process. Um, as it was for me, um, I was, I was always blown away by, um, uh, Coldplay's um, Parachutes album, how that amazing album reads like in, in any situation. Like you can be in a a weird, dingy little pub, and the music you barely even notice there, and then one of those songs come on, and it's clear as a bell somehow. Mm. So, like soft, but but powerful. And mm-hmm. so, I a big part. I, I I've started. Um, I'd already started doing production and a, a lot of uh, mixing by that point, but. I really wanted to get an idea of how that sort of level of production was done. Mm. Um, uh, so that was uh, I, I took some time to to uh, study uh, under Mike Brower over in um, uh, in France, uh, mm-hmm. just to just to just to sort of learn new things and also qualify things that I was already doing or not doing. You, mm. you know, you make decisions. There's endless ways to use this gear, mm. and. Um, but just to know that like, oh, no, no, that's that's okay. Mm. Or other things like mm, maybe, maybe I shouldn't plug that in there um, so often. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll talk, talk us through that. What were some of the, you know, the things that you were like, okay, I'm probably approaching this the wrong way? Uh, well, some things uh, that sort of caught my attention was I, I, I think that understanding the physics of things can kind of slow you down sometimes. Something might mm-hmm. technically not seem like a good idea. Um, there's particular techniques uh, which he uses like um, splitting the base mm-hmm. and um, in, in what's essentially a crossover. Mm-hmm. But if you don't do a crossover carefully, then you get buildup of frequencies or cancellation of frequencies at that point mm-hmm. and... So it should be done very carefully. Mm. In his case, 
um, I, I, it wasn't so much. It was just mm. really a desk EQ. Mm-hmm. Now, in my head, I'd be sitting there going, that's a terrible thing. But then I was <laughs> at the bottom end of the records and you're like, it doesn't matter. Result, yeah. <laughs> results, yeah. And I can guarantee yeah. you people in that pub listening to it across the room weren't sitting there going, ooh, 150 hertz. Yeah. And, uh, you know, <laughs> they don't yeah. care. Yeah. And the best thing about it is, is you don't care and I don't care. I've never sat there and listened to someone else's song on the radio and gone, oh, if there's a bit more guitar, this would be a better song. Mm. We obsess about that day to day, but mm. I've never, ever really done that. Mm. Um, I might do it to peers sometimes because they ask questions like what do you, you know what do you think of this mix and you have to offer mm. something mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but a lot of those decisions a lot of what gets talked about with the artist is kind of superfluous it is about feel mm-hmm. and feel mm-hmm. has never had anything to do with a you know how how loud or, or you know mm-hmm. unless something's really out um yeah yeah or, or yeah. how bright or, or or a lot of those things that we we concentrate on mm. it, so they're true. a matter of subtlety yeah it's so true so i mean it's it's it is funny when you are, especially in the production stage, you're not even, th- well, we are as producers are thinking about what sounds we want to get and what sort of drum sounds and stuff like that. But the artist definitely isn't. They're like, well, not most of the time they're not. 95% of the time it's about I want it to feel like this. I want it to feel really powerful. I want it to feel mm. upbeat. I want people to be able to dance to it or, you know, I want people to be able to cry to it or something like that and so it's a lot of emotion driven decisions and you know the arrangement has to fulfill that it's not about the kick drum sound that's going to make someone unless it's a really hardcore like dance song or something like that that has to have the specific type of kick drum but usually that's the producer that's doing that not the artist anyway. So yeah, it's really Absolutely. fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it does. It has to it has to support the narrative. And mm. um and yeah, in certain songs, if you're doing folk music and you're spending um hours on a on a kick drum, you're you're mm. in trouble. Don't worry about it. Just <laughs> yeah. slam the door and record it and you're basically <laughs> yeah. there, you know. Like, True. Yeah. Um, so so what do your sessions look like these days? Is there kind of a, a one approach um, with with most of the artists, or, do, or is it extremely tailor made? I'm 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 pretty varied. Um, I, I've got a very short attention span, so I get bored easily. So mm. I don't I won't I don't usually take on the same sort of artists. Some some are solo artists that need a, a, the whole thing done, and mm-hmm. that's great fun. Other are bands that just need guidance, and I love that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, other things. You know, I, I still some you know the occasions you get a jazz album and you are literally sitting there and you know there's a bit of setup, but then you're sitting there and pressing a red button and kicking <laughs> back with a cup of tea, and basically <laughs> listening to a jazz album at that point because yeah. it's done. Yeah, I, I still love that as well. And um, and uh, but yeah, it, it it really doesn't matter to me. I, I am a big one for live instruments though. Yep. Um, I love to mix electro things or you know modern pop. But mm-hmm. I generally won't produce it. I like to because that does respond well to heavy processing. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. good not to be attracted, uh, sort of like attached to the uh, the production side of it, True, so that yeah. you're cutthroat as hell. Mm. Like they, they may have obsessed over that synth for days. You don't mm. know that, and you just carve the hell out of it and go, "No, this is where it fits." And um, so, so it's it's good to have that opportunity. But with 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 acoustic instruments, I do like to be there from from the beginning to the end because you um you get a very good sense and keeping things 
having everything phase sensitive and you know what the potential pitfalls are from seeing the process from the start and also learning what the artist wants out of it because it is just a it might just be an acoustic guitar but they don't want to sound like every other acoustic guitar singer songwriter mm. so you learn with them what they're looking for and, and you'll probably bring out a really good result that way yeah for sure so i mean it sounds like then your approach would be to get things going as quickly as possible. Am I right in saying that? It, it would depend. Um, I, I'm sure you've had a bunch of artists that have come in and they're they're like um, they're all systems go, but when you mm. listen to what you're starting with, that it does need work. Mm-hmm. And um, often in those cases, like if say if it's a band, I'd be okay. Let's let's can that. Let's go to a rehearsal studio and start talking through the songs. Mm, um, true. You know, a, a section at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, and not out of a like an arrogant way. I don't know how to fix it, but if I feel like they haven't exhausted every single option they have, I think mm-hmm. it's a good idea to get in there. Mm-hmm. Bi- mm-hmm. Billy Corgan of uh, Smashing Pumpkins fame said it said it sweetly. He said you should take your song, you should ruin it, rip it apart, put this part <laughs> there, put that part through a fuzz pedal and whatever. And worst case scenario, you go in a big circle and end up where you started with, but then you yeah. know that's the best that song can be. So um, awesome. I, I, if I ever get the opportunity to do that, um, I'll absolutely do it. But then with solo artists, you don't because you're kind of building it as you go. It's true, and yeah. And there's, there's even some bands, some blues bands I work with where um, they still romanticise that old uh, idea of it coming together in the studio. Yeah, right, um, yeah. And uh, I think with blues you can get away with that even though I discourage it in nearly all other cases. Okay, um, okay, yep. But, but, uh, but, yeah, in that case, yeah, there's not really much rehearsal to be done. In fact, you, you'd probably be more likely to over-rehearse it. It's sometimes good to leave um, that initial raw improvisation in a situation where you can catch it on tape. Mm. Um, or on, on like hard discs. It's yeah. true. Like, yeah, capturing that that magic of that initial performance where kind of they're flying by the seat of their pants. I don't get mm. to do that very often, but uh, it sounds fun. <laughs> um, it's yeah, good I'm, fun. Yeah, I'm definitely more of the, uh, the earlier, you know, like the early part of that sentence that you were talking about is the taking the song apart, ripping it all apart and rebuilding it. And that's one of my favourite things to do for sure. Um, it's, and it, it is good fun for us, definitely. Yeah. I love that. And you, yeah. it, that's when you're that's when you're flinging paint at the canvas. Yeah, that's that's fun as hell. Yeah, absolutely. But it's um, almost a genre thing with blues. I find like if sure. if you're doing blues and you rip it apart too much, suddenly you're making a country album. Right, and you yeah you're potentially you ruining I mean? <laughs> ruining that like element of what that band is because you're overanalyzing it and you're trying to potentially perpetuate something that they not that they aren't necessarily about yeah about yeah, yeah for sure yeah now i like to kind of talk about things that haven't necessarily gone right in you know across the board more so like you know is there kind of common things that you notice whether it's with the artist or with yourself that you've seen across the board and that you've had to really work on at getting better well, there's certain a couple of things start starting from classical. Um, we you, most people who studied classical would have had to just sit there playing to a metronome, mm-hmm. and and most people of that uh, it'll kind of have that natural rhythm, and that's not as common these days. So mm-hmm. a lot of 
artists are wanting to do things not to a click mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. they don't quite have the chops for it. And that can be a very difficult thing to get mm-hmm. around. But that natural sense of rhythm is gone from the musician, yet they want to hear it more than ever. <laughs> yeah, like I hear true. a bit of sing and sway. <laughs> But then I have an assistant who's like, you know, 18 behind me and is going, it's out of time. It's like, well, it's, it's grooving. Like, no, 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 it's out of time. Like, I get what they mean though because if you listen to like nonstop process music, mm-hmm. they're going to have, yeah, so you've got this like funny dichotomy of uh, musicians which can't deliver what the marketplace wants and trying yeah. to marry those two. Um, I'm sure you've had a million arguments saying, look, guys, I think it's going to be easy if we do this to click. Oh, yeah, um, Absolutely. I mean, that's and, it for me, for me, it's something that I will kind of enforce. Um, you know, it's, yeah, it's yeah. very rarely a time where I'm like, yep, let's just go free. What, what I actually love to do is do that in the pre-production stage so I can kind of hear where it naturally sits and, you know, mm. try and tap the tempo and figure out where the tempo's. And then you can see kind of whether the chorus needs to slow down or speed up or something like yeah. that because you definitely want changes in in timing, not always, but a lot of the time to give that emotional response. But I think it's really important for me at least for for bands to be playing to a click because it just anchors it just anchors the song so much more and it gives the listener kind of it just doesn't make them think as much, I think. No, no, absolutely. And mm. they don't have to stress about it. Mm. Um, cause they, they do like you do 10 takes of a song and they'll be getting towards the end of their tether and mm-hmm. they'll definitely be speeding up towards the end, but they yeah. might not necessarily know that. And, um, it, it just, yeah, it does, you're right. It takes that pressure off them. Yeah. Um, but there's also no, there's no arguing that it does rob something from the track as well, mm. that it can be so difficult to get back mm-hmm. in certain things, like um, mm-hmm. especially, you know, slipping into reggae and things like that. Mm. Like it's true, yep. It's it's such a, a weird circle you're going, tra- training the band to play to the click and then making the production not sound like it's it's played to a <laughs> click and it's like, we, just yeah. run, we just chase our tails in here. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. yeah, I love it. So talk to us about, you know, the things that go right in studio, what, what is a really good session look like to you? Well, it's when, when you do have that opportunity to, there's still that romantic idea of making music in a studio as opposed to just recording it. Like it starts to come together, Mm. but where you do, you've got like the solid, the bones of it down and you do have those days where you're experimenting and things that just everyone Mm. is on, on fire, just like, buzzing on on the on the that creative process that you're sharing together mm-hmm. and that's just an an absolute dream like you know it could mm-hmm. be anything someone's pulled out like a an old mini moog which you know <laughs> the, the, the power thing falls out every 10 minutes the thing's broken but then you're pulling this tone like what's going on <laughs> like th- yeah. those, those those days are special few and far between but they but they're magic and um mm. And I think that I don't know whether the lines are good that come out of them, but I know that everyone who was part of that production, if they if they hear that part of the song, there'll just be a big smile on their face. Yeah, it's so. And true. I do. I, I do it. suspect that that is passed on to the the listener, but I haven't done much of a yeah market research to be able to back that up. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, true. No, I love it. It's 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 really cool, and that's where, like you said, the experimenting part of 
you know, finding a guitar tone or something like that is, is always really cool or just plugging in a pedal that you wouldn't normally plug in in the production stage uh, is always super fun. Yeah, we can do it as mix engineers. We can do that till the cows come home and the artist would have no idea. But, but it's when lonely. you're It's lonely and, and we kind of fall into our usual ways of going about things anyway. But, yeah, like you said, in the production stage when you're recording and you you find something that you just would never have found because that guitarist has a, a pedal that you've never seen before or, yeah, like you are saying, the, the keyboard or anything like that, it's so much fun where you could just be like, yeah, let's let's hit record and just see what happens here. Yeah, it's like this This has been a good day. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, 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 and I think there's something about the fact that you are limited with time in the studio, which is the only reason that would happen. Mm. And a lot of modern production doesn't allow for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's just great to be under the pump, have a limited amount of gear, to have limitations, which is mm-hmm. probably one of the biggest issues facing the modern recording thing that you've got some sampler with 10,000 presets. Mm-hmm. That's not healthy. Yeah. You need knobs. You need to fiddle mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. come up with something unique. Um, not... It's not necessarily mean you you get a better sound, but your your uh, your headspace is way better when you're doing that because you feel like you're creating. Mm. No one really feels like they're creating when they use a preset, and that's going to be quite mm. detrimental to to everyone in the room. If you're doing that with a, a full band, mm. it's it's a sad day in the studio. <laughs> it's oh, the yeah. opposite. So yeah, no one wants to sit there while you're flicking through pre- presets either. <laughs> it's, it's the worst. It's the worst. And I don't I don't think that anyone. Uh, that's been in those sorts of circumstances with other producers, you know, they're usually the horror, the horror stories that I hear about other mm. producers and engineers is that, oh, they were just sitting on the computer editing for an hour straight and they we were just kind of sitting there not knowing what to do. <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah. And that, that's yeah. a big thing. I, I really push that with my productions in that I'll um, – because uh, we, I, I, we will hire a studio for the main part of the track in. Mm-hmm. But I'll, I will split it up. I'll say let's let's do okay. We're doing an album. Let's spend two three days doing the drums and bass, and I'll mm-hmm. take it home and I'll edit it without you watching, and we'll come mm-hmm. back and you'll have this amazing thing. And the moment you walk in, we can just start hitting it again. Sometimes mm-hmm. you do have to do some editing, but you're right. You see immediately the whole vibe in the room change. Yep, and it's it's definitely a good thing to avoid or you know not allow, especially when it comes to comping vocals. Oh, no, yeah. no, no singer should ever have to uh, be privy to, <laughs> yeah. to that process. That's, yeah. They'll basically hang up the hat there. It's like, and I'm out. Thank yeah, you. exactly. And it's, it's funny, like fun. if you have, a d- depending on your relationship of the, the person that you're working for and uh, you might do it just to punish them a little bit, just for a laugh. And then, but otherwise it's like, yeah, go on lunch. I'm going I'm yeah, to do some Sometimes they're like, I know I've hit that big note. It's like, okay, let's have a look at the edits then, shall we? <laughs> yeah, some, yeah, sometimes you have to do it. But, yeah, most of the time it's uh, it's not going to benefit because no, the next time it. they stand in front of the mic, they're going to feel like absolute trash. <laughs> I mean, it's the most soul-destroying thing to record vo- vocals in the first place anyway. I don't know how vocalists yes. do it. <laughs> it's hard, yeah. Yeah, it, it's it, it's hard work, like just getting the performance, absolutely. So. Yeah, yep, yep. Hey, thanks so much for listening so far. There is plenty more to come, so don't go anywhere. I just wanted to let you know that yeah, this cool. podcast is made completely independently by myself with no sponsors. So if you like what you hear and you would like to show your support, you can send a donation to the PayPal link, paypal.me slash what's that sound. The link is also in the show notes. Thanks so much for your support and let's get back to it. All right. So in terms of um, 
you know, where you spend most of your time is what, what would you say the percentage divided between recording and mixing would be? Uh, I mix in what I like to get that done in like a day. I do feel mm. like a, a lot of magic happens when you, you do even nail out the majority of it in like an hour. Yeah, right. Which is yep. which I think is part of the attraction. I spent years on, on like an SSL and so I am used to like cranking that thing and just getting it done. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes we, we do five, six songs in a day just because, you know, that's that's it, studios are expensive. Mm. But I did like what were the decisions you made in that way. Mm-hmm. Then, of course, there's hours of finagling and, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, doing doing adding little subtleties and things like that. But a good chunk of it happens then. But, I, yeah, I'd I, I like to get it done in a, in a day. Yeah. And then yep. um, we can just revisit it later and go to do it. But these, uh, as, as I know, I, I don't have to tell you, there's a, there's a lot of preparation before that, depending yeah. on the act, of course. But, um, but yeah, that, that'd be, I, I'd say with most acts, it'd be maybe 80% yep. recording production and then the rest of it just mix in. Yeah. And, and when it comes it to, you know, overall picture as well in terms of how many artists you work with on purely a recording uh aspect and then purely a mixing aspect what would you say that the percentage is there uh yeah i'd i'd say it would be it's probably hanging around 50 50 but obviously a mix takes nowhere near the amount of time so yeah most of my time is a full production but yeah sure yep Song by song yep. basis, I'd say it's more or less 50-50. Yeah, and I cool. do. It, there's it, there is nothing better than getting a mix and just being able to sit there and play and yeah. and and again not being attached to anything that's happened before. Yeah, yeah. Um, and being completely subjective, that's great fun. You know. That's, yeah, that's, and I think the the thing that I notice when I because most of the time I'm working on mixes that I've recorded as well. And just the the mess of the session because I'm just in a in a production session. I'm just like, add more, add more. Let's go. Let's keep going. Let's move on to the next thing. Let's record drums. Let's do another take. Blah 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 blah. You're just going at whatever speed you can just to get it all down, and you're not forgetting anything. So then when it comes time to mix, the actual sessions just look like a dog's breakfast. And yeah, yeah. you're right. When you get a, a mix, someone sent you stems that they've done nicely. Like I send out a little uh, document that that tells the artist how I like to receive the stems so that when I get them, if they've done it right, it's just, I just import it and it looks so That's good. That's a good idea. I might start doing that actually. <laughs> Steal it. That's all good. Yeah. yeah. I stole it off someone have, else for I sure. Think, <laughs> I think we've all received like Things to mix, and you're like, you are kidding me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You spent half an you, you, hour just bloody organizing and put them in, in folders. Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, I can see why the big guys have an assistant for that, and they can just walk <laughs> in and, and and nail it. And yeah, and uh, and yeah, and that's that's a big thing. Like if that does happen, even if they do send it well, is it set that up and yeah, don't do it that day. Like come in the next day and just hit it. Yep, hundred uh, percent. Yeah. yeah so it. so run us through your mixing process. What is that? look like do you have you know do your templates are they kind of set there and you like to use them the same every time or is it obviously you you know you're working on a whole bunch of different styles of music so what does that look like yeah yeah it does like this I do have templates but that's because it is a hybrid setup and everything does come out and and is treated analog plenty still happens in the box Mm -hmm. but the routing is is kind of um complicated but a lot of the choices come from cues and buses 
mm-hmm. that, that that are the magic of a, of a of a desk. You can just send things everywhere, and mm-hmm. it's a it's a little bit like playing Mortal Kombat back in the day. You're just mashing <laughs> buttons till you like yep. it. Yeah, sounds stupid, but you know, kind of, you know, that was the magic of those things is that you could oh, just yeah. quickly mess around on them. Yeah, and so I'm trying to create that, but yeah, so I definitely benefit from a template. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably I have a a bunch of templates depending on the the genre, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, they definitely are a, just a starting point. Mm-hmm. Usually, I can just bring up a song on that template and go, "This is sounding great," and. Mm-hmm let's now ruin everything I've done here. Yeah, yeah. And and also the template's a moving target because I'll just start to go, yeah, let's, let's try doing that for a while. And Yeah. yeah and you always yeah. like want to try a different, you know, channel strip or something that you're like, I feel like this could be cool on this this kick drum for whatever reason, you know. So it's always yeah. fun to just change shit out. Um, and then after so that then, album, maybe not. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so then, you know, where, where does that decision-making come in dependent on is it dependent on the type of music that you're working on or is it is it more just song based is it like uh, I feel like this is the kind of plugins that I should be using here it kind of yeah yeah it, it yeah it kind of started as that like a genre based thing um you know more rock more you know quieter stuff whether whether I'm dealing with um synthetic drums or real drums because that's you know a big big chunk of a of a record mm, yeah um, the rhythm 100%. section um uh and, and then there's just a, a slew of channels depending on uh what I want to get out of it but a, a lot of it so a lot of the templates are set up where say I have an acoustic guitar I might have an acoustic guitar with like 15 channels of exciters and reverbs mm. and things like that not to be used but mm. so I can bring them in and just mm. decide quickly, no, nah, not that one, delete that channel, no, nah, not that one. Del-, you know, they'll, yep. they'll get dumbed down to a, a manageable amount. Yep. Um, uh, but, yeah, there's not m- more and more it's more just got to do with um, like what I'm, what I'm trying to convey. I think there's just big difference between ballads and mm. dance basically. Yeah. Um, and when I mean dance, I mean like I, I call – you know, ACDC and Foo Fighters kind of dance in the sense that it's rhythm based and you want to bop your head. But, you know, like yeah, something yeah, that's yeah. rhythmically driven or something that's really like uh, supposed to be emotive and, uh, you know, gets your yeah. weak in. I, f- I and, feel uh, you. Hmm. Do you have, um, you know, favorite elements that you like to work on? Are you a vocals guy, drums, guitar? What, what do you, what's, what's the thing that you just love digging in on? Um, yeah, that really does. Ch- I mean, there's always, especially in modern music, going to be a lot of work done on the vocals. Mm-hmm. And I, I do enjoy that, but it, it, I will enjoy that more on a pop record, a modern synth-based pop record because, you know, you can open up some huge, ridiculously huge delays and mm. get interesting on that and, you know, crazy double. What, what, it really doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, if, if I was doing a more simple, you know, stripped-back blues album um, uh, or rock, it would be a... Um, I, I, there's still a lot that happens, but it's a game of subtlety, so it's probably not as mm. exciting to me. I, I'd be more interested in how we can make the guitars sort of rip out and the drums really punch through. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's 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 I try to make it as an organic a process and let it it lead me when yeah. I sit down, just like whatever I'm grabbing for first. Yeah, and again, yeah. that's a ni- that is a nice thing about a bunch of faders is that you can you can just sort of push them up and around and start to see what you're gravitating towards. It's yeah. kind of hard to do with a mouse. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I love that analogy that you used before about video games. I I say it a lot is like 
I honestly feel like my job is just like playing video games. And I think that is like a lot of what attracted me to mixing, especially like I, I never started off in mixing. It was, it came, you know, a, a few years later, I was always about playing music, but then, you know, when you start to dig into plugins and, you know, playing with gear and all that sort of thing, it just becomes like playing video games. It's, it's so, I just pinched myself. I'm like, how am I doing this for a job? It's fucked. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's, it's crazy. Fun. Yeah. It's great fun. Talk us but through it's, some. It's, all, it's also oh, unforgiving yeah. I find because you're uh, often, it's fun, but you play mm. too long, you start to go backwards as well. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. You have to like uh, keep yourself in check at the same time as well. Yeah, for I, sure. I get in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Now, when it comes to, you know, some of the things that you've learnt over time, obviously you've, you've, you've learnt off, you know, some pretty amazing engineers and, you know, you've worked with some crazy, crazy popular artists as well. What are some of the kind of workflow-based things that you have gotten better at over time or just realised that you needed to focus more on as kind of the years have gone on? It's it's always gone away from what, like, you're attracted to at the start. It was, it, like, less and less about gear and more and more about pers- the, the people Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, if you have a, if you have an amazing artist and you, you put a, any microphone in front of them, you listen to them sing, you can immediately see how much you've been hitting your head against a, a brick wall mm-hmm. in a lot of other productions. Like mm-hmm. you are capturing something magic and you realize when, when, if they're on it, then, then your, your work is made a whole lot easier. And so it's much smarter to focus on that, mm-hmm. um, than, than tone. So I think it's, it's really bringing in more of the human element because, Mm. you spend a long time learning how all this gear works, how to, how to mic up a drum kit, how to do that, how to, you know, all the mixing tricks. But then mm. um, I, I think you really start to become good where you forget all that and just start to focus mm. on, on getting the absolute best thing you can out of a, out of a human being. Mm. And um, I remember I, I had like one particular breakthrough moment, simple thing. I was making a, a jazz record for um, Tony Gould. He's a classical pianist, um, sure. Mel- uh, Melbourne-based. Um, and he's amazing. And he started his career just smashing out classical, like virtuosic type pieces. But yeah, wow. he ended up just coming back to slow jazz, not yep. scales. It's like they, every note is considered and gorgeous, mm-hmm. like re- mm-hmm. really beautiful stuff. And I remember we, we were doing this whole band track and um, I came in and there was a part of the song where the double bassist, um, he, he was playing Arco, like with a bow. Yep. And he was moving to Pizzicato, so he put the bow down on the music stand. And I'm not thinking, they're just on their way into the studio to listen and I'm, I'm quickly just like carving things, cleaning things up and yep. there's a clink and a clank of, you know, wood hidden aluminium and I thought, oh, yeah, mm. I'll just cut that out. Mm. And I feel this, shoulder, this hand just gently on my shoulder, like, what are you doing? It's like, oh, so I'm just cutting out where, you know, the sound where, where he put his bow down and he, and he just looks at me and goes, you know, it's a human being playing that. <laughs> Yeah. And that really, not 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 in, a, not in like a aggressive way at all. It was just like a he was just pointing it out, just an like, awareness thing, yeah. But that plays in my head so often. Yeah, yeah. That, and you know why why would you take that out? It's such a nice thing that like this is not an overdub. He's put this bow down and he's he's moved around and yeah. But you know it, it's easy to get into the habit of doing things and not thinking about mm. you know just because you can doesn't mean you should. Yeah. Well, and the one thing that I tend to struggle with like mentally, not in actuality when I have a client here, but is 
that the amount of times I listen to, to music that's really popular, even modern music, where we tend to think of modern music as overproduced and, you know, over the top, but the best artists in the world are leaving random stuff in that might just be off and, you know, the, the actual sound of the drum kit is really raw and not polished and et cetera, et cetera. The, the amount of times every day, every week that I hear music and I'm like, that sounds like shit, but it actually yeah. complements the song and just makes it sound so good. And to me, I've tried to capture the beauty of wherever an artist is at at that time. Definitely there's, you know, a lot of times where you have to do vocal editing, you have to make sure things are in pitch and stuff, but it's still good to be really broad with those things I've found as time goes on to leave them kind of in their original state because that's where that person is at that time. That's what the band sounds like. That There's all of these things that come together to make this song and it's actually better in my opinion, to hear the band as they sound rather than forcing them to be perfect and, and making it because it just loses all of its life. It does. It, it does. Mm. And, and it, it's based on the assumption there's such thing as perfection. Mm. And I think that's a good thing to kind of just give up on like a, mm. and even convince your artists is like nothing's perfect. And mm. if, if you want perfect music, like, I, you know, this, you know, all this, GDP, um, you know, I, I think they could, they could, they're going to be able to do this, and mm. but it won't, it won't work. Like we do listen to, to imperfections and things, things mm. that are, are broken, and mm. like your example, um, you, you'd have this particular sound of a band, mm. but it's all, it also comes to the point where they started and they had a terrible drum sound, but mm. then they decided their guitar tone based on that terrible drum sound. So mm. fixing the terrible drum sound is not mm. necessarily going to be a service to the to the mm. whole thing, and um, just just rolling with the punches. It's it's mm. um, you get some really cool stuff that way working working with limitations. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Well, let's get a bit nerdy. Let's um, let's dive into specifics on you know some of the stuff that you love to work with. First of all, what uh, what software are you using and why? Uh, I'm on Pro Tools um, uh, Ultimate just because uh, running back and forth from studios, it's really the easiest way to multi-track still, uh, I've mm -hmm. found. So um, uh, I, it's, 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 it is a complicated program, but it's, it's like, as I'm sure I don't tell you, once, once you've learned it, you've learned it. So, you know, it's, mm. it's, it's more difficult to swap from door to door at that point. Mm, yep. Um, but that's, yeah, it's running a, um, a HD setup into, um, like, a Lynx Auroras for converters. Yep. Um, and, uh, then, yeah, I, I still mix through a console cause yeah, I, I did spend years on, on SSLs and mm. I had to be torn away kicking and screaming when, when <laughs> that wasn't practical anymore. <laughs> yep. And not just from the point of view of, um, cost, it was also just, um, artists have changed and there's certain demands on, on recalling audio, mm. which, um, yeah, that's, it's tough work. Mm. If you mm. writing down the settings of an mm -hmm. entire analog studio and recalling a mix is a day's work and yep. it's just not practical. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. so I've had to slip away to something a bit more hybrid, mm. but still, um, everything does run through, um, desk and, and, and some in buses and, um, and, uh, 
uh, at the end. So it's, ba- it's basically a process of it would look like a normal mix in Pro Tools, mm-hmm. and then um, it, it but it siphons out to individual channels, and there's a mm-hmm. lot of outboard processing happening there, and um, mm-hmm. uh, you know a, a lot in series, a lot in parallel, and mm-hmm. um, just whatever works for the song. Yeah, cool, love it. And what about hardware bits, bits of gear? What what are some of your favourites? Um, well, look, a, a more or less recent one was um, I, I did years ago mix into a, a Crane Song STC-8 and I loved it. It was just the right sort of crispness I was looking for. Mm-hmm. But I've um, I've been tackling like a, a main mix bus compressor, what, what to use for a long time, been through a lot, like a, mm-hmm. both the smart models, um, had mm-hmm. a Shadow Hills here for a while, mm-hmm. um, tried the, the foot compressor and that was great but still I, I actually slowly realized that I actually don't want a VCA on on yep. the end personally but even though that was kind of what I was chasing after mixing on E for a, a mm. long time but it was yeah I don't know it just wasn't the same thing um, mm. but the SDC8s filled that and exceeded it but again I get distracted so talk to me in a couple of years <laughs> <laughs> and that what SDC8's what is, nothing. <laughs> what is it that you is it is it versatility? Is it kind of? What, it is what very is it versatile. That, yeah, Abs- is absolutely. that kind of what you're looking for in a compressor on the mix bus, or at the end? So because I'm kind of going into a bunch of mix bus compressors and then a final one, I yep. want a very solid stereo image, mm-hmm. and yeah, the the ability to dial it in. A lot of VCAs aren't good at that. They've only got a handful of of control. So if you really want to grab a rhythm in the right way mm. but I've, I've found that to be a swiss army knife in that like you can mm-hmm. really just hone it to the groove of the song if you want it to just do the sort of thwacky mm. slow attack and fast release thing it can do that yep. but if you want it to actually grab something as well and mm-hmm. and, and massage it, it mm-hmm. like within the transient it's happy to do that and does it just so cleanly and and, and so nicely and, and just sounds that little bit more sheeny because of it, so I've I've, I've really That's really cool. been enjoying mixing into that recently. Awesome. Um, Any other uh, bits of favorite bits of hardware? Uh, well, I mean, they all do a job. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, what's yeah. been going recently? I mean, I I, I I I've always had a soft spot for um the gem audio thing, which I don't think they're around anymore, but they kind of do that Zener compressor really really cleanly right um uh and uh like i'm not sure if you use that chandler zena i've uh, i i have used it in the past i haven't found a use for it but yeah i've like i oh, it's the most amazing drum room compressor that's ever been made sweet R- rather expensive for a drum room compressor though um, well they've yeah they've got a <laughs> a plug-in version on plug-in alliances i think there's a, oh, chandler, a chandler emulation i think could be yeah, wrong. Yeah, okay. But um, but yeah, I might need to to do a bit more diving into it. This is why I love this podcast because I just learn yeah. new things from from different people. So that's awesome. What no, about look, it's um? A, it's a great compressor, but this is sort of like a very carefully st- surgically made one where they've paralleled a bunch of Zeners and not not just right. one. So right. it's 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 in my opinion a lot better for mix bus duties, and I, okay, I love yeah. that because it just it just fattens things up. Cool. The other Zen is a lot of money for something that I've I can never quite make work. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. Except for drum rooms. Yeah. Yeah. Fair <laughs> enough. It's a lot yeah. of money for a drum room. For just a drum. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> what about software then? Let's uh, talk about some of your favorite plugins. 
Recently, I have really enjoyed getting into Plugin Alliance. Um, yeah. And I, it was a sad day when I said goodbye to mixing on an SSL, but mm. their, um, their emulations, especially that e-channel, because that's mm-hmm. um, I never quite click with a G console. Mm. I, I loved mixing on a K, um, but it was kind of, it didn't give you much. Like mm. you almost mixing in a door, it was that like clean. Um, mm-hmm. But the, the E had yuckiness to it. Yeah. It was a, yep. it was a little bit impolite. Yeah. And, um, and, and, but also the EQ is a lot more surgical, which I mm. think I am, I do prefer like just mm. a couple of little dips here and there because I, I do mm-hmm. put a lot of effort in trying to capture it at the source mm. and, um, and don't, particularly warm to heavily EQ guitars or things like that. So mm, I, I'm mm. not, I'm not heavy handed. Mm. Um, but there, when I, when I brought up the E channel um, from Plugin Alliance, I was, uh, mm. I'm not ashamed to say I was almost tearing up. Like, <laughs> it's something I've missed for a long time. And that's awesome. Like, oh, yeah, boys. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's um, fantastic. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what they did or how they did it, but it's, um, it's getting to the point where it's a, uh, it's a matter of being how tactile, yeah digital is as opposed to the actual sound of it it's true it's, um, yeah it's, it's yep. getting just amazing yeah mm-hmm. yeah love it and compressors digital compressors that you're using or is it all there well, the channel i or? made bad mouth the shadow hills before but the um the plug-in alliance ones of those were great and um the yep. uid um uh shadow hills they're kind of mm-hmm. so different but um mm. but both very useful mm-hmm. in certain situations um i uh I got to use a Vertigo um, VCA compressor once mm-hmm. on, a, on a session in South Australia and the thing was just, mm. yeah, that would be one for the, uh, yeah. you know, the, the, the dream journal if, 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 yeah, I, yeah. if I can. But um, it was just an amazing thing. But the, the plug-in version of that is, is fantastic and really does yeah. deliver what you want out of a VCA. So I've, I've yep. really been enjoying that quite a fair bit. Love it. Nice one. Any other? Uh, any other? Just uh, quick plugins that you want to shout out as well for anyone that is just getting into it. Or I think if you're getting into it, you'd be crazy not to splurge on on Fab Filter. Mm. Um, it, it's it's surgical, maybe a little bit daunting, but there's just nothing you can't do for it. And, and yeah, I know I said I so just good. got into that that E channel, but before that. Mm. Fab filters, natural phase mm-hmm. set in was as close as I was getting to just reaching for um those those E series mm. EQs. Mm. Not not that it's it doesn't have the same grit, but it just uh, it just stays phase aligned to every. So mm-hmm. if you if you're doing that to a bunch of drum mics, you know, twenty drum mm. mics on a thing, nothing gets wacky. Whereas mm. in a lot of other EQs, it does. Yeah, and yep. um and that like um uh. What's the uh, what am I looking for? Nat- not natural phase, zero latency absolute, or no the absolute phase thing. What's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> linear phase. Of, That's oh, linear phase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Linear. Yeah. So linear phase doesn't do it either for drums. I, I, yeah. I, and I try I tried that for a long time, but that natural phase mm-hmm. setting they have really does hold a bunch of phase sensitive channels together and and mm. and not damage it, which is. I can say of very few other plugins, mm. um, but yeah, they're, they're a fantastic company and obviously got a lot of love for it. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Nice one. Well, um, this has been awesome. One final question that I like to finish up the podcast with is what, you know, do you have any like cracking bits of advice 
for people who are, you know, maybe in their first three to five years, uh, first of all for producers, engineers, and then for the artists that might be listening as well? Uh, what would you say? I, I'd say one of the, the biggest misconceptions and issues I've um, maybe come across is that, uh, yeah, like it's very easy to be ro- like romanticise a lot of gear and things like that, but this is really about delivering a, a, an, a, an emotive mm. uh, experience for a listener mm-hmm. and not to get hung up on that. So uh, let's say you're an engineer and you're, you're learning off, uh, you know, a mentor of some sort. Um, don't Try not to ask them what setting they use. Try to ask mm. them why or what they were trying to get mm. from it. Yep. Um, for artists, I'd say that they've got – Artists have infinite choice at the moment, mm. which is great, but also very, very limiting in that it's, 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 you just, you can't actually actively try all these options out. Mm. So it's given a lot of artists a, 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 a shitty attitude in that, mm. um, let's, oh, this, this chorus is great. Let's paste that to the last chorus. Mm. Mm. There's a lot of advantages of not having to work on tape anymore. Mm. But I don't think the uh, the mentality should change. You, mm. you should act as if you have 15 minutes of two-inch tape and mm. you can fit three mm. takes on there and then we listen to it. Like, we'll pick one you like. You don't like any of them. Let's delete them and keep going. Because mm. um, it seems like there's a lot of magic that can happen down the line, you know, mm. with all our bells and whistles, but there's really not. And, and the mm. artist needs mm. to understand that it is on them and, and we will make it better, but we, it cannot be reinvented but mm. by, by all these tricks. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah is, and that springs to mind the importance of rehearsal, which I talk about pretty much every yeah, podcast. Yeah. It's because the amount of times, and you've, you've somewhat touched on it, is the amount of times that we get, you know, people in the studio and they forget how to play when you hit record. It's like... Mm. I can it's a understand the, thing. the the intimidation factor is high, especially if you haven't done it before or, you know, you haven't learnt the song enough or something like that. But what will allow you to be more comfortable is to be confident with the songs. And so, yeah, yeah. It's, it, that's another mentality thing that is in line with what you were talking about for sure. And that's great. And sometimes that's on us because mm. it, it's our job to get that out of them. My, my wife mm. put me on to something I think is great is just, is just power posing, you know, like uh, if they're, if they're nervous, get them out there with their hands above their head. Yeah. Like even someone who's never been able to see if they win something, they'll do that. So it actually yeah. releases a bunch of hormones. It gets you confidence to so stand True. like that for five, 10 minutes and get them into it and little, little things like that or breathing yeah. exercise, anything yeah. to just get them across the line. But yeah, they, uh, it, it they're kind of right to be nervous in a studio. It's a nerve-wracking yeah. thing. It's, they probably saved up a long time for that and there's a lot of pressure to get it right that day because they know they can't afford to come back. But, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, working out how to re- to work around that is, is part mm. of their process and the uh, yep. the trip from performing artists to, to recording artists, which is... 100%. A difficult trip. Absolutely, man. <laughs> well, thank you um, for joining me today. It's been awesome. Oh, thank really you. It's been it. so much fun. Um, where can people find you online? And in person. Uh, <laughs> and in person. Well, I've just recently relocated uh, to Western Australia, so I'm, I'm living in Perth now and just um, finished setting up the studio and getting back into work. Nice. Um, but I still do a lot of work online. So um, I, uh, 
a sort of run under a, a name Maestro uh, Product. Sorry, Maestro Sound Production. So www.maestrosoundproductions.com. Yep. Um, and you, yeah, you can find everything you need to know about me there. Yep. Otherwise, I'll be in sunny Western Australia. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, I'll have I'll have the links in the show notes anyway. Um, so yeah, beautiful. Well, thanks again, man. I appreciate your time and, uh, thank you to everyone for checking the podcast out. Uh, if you could do us a favor and share the podcast, whether that's directly in a DM or on your socials in a story, uh, that is the best way that we can get the, uh, podcast spread out to as many people as possible. We would love to educate, with all of the fantastic guests that we have on this podcast. Um, So that's the best way you can do that. And so you can stay up to date. Make sure you hit subscribe or follow on the platform that you're listening or watching this on. Um, But that's about it from us. Thank you again, Terry. And uh, we will see you next time on What's That Sound podcast. Thanks for having me, bud. Thanks for listening to What's That Sound. Make sure you hit follow or subscribe on your podcast platform to stay up to date with each new episode. We'll catch you next time.